If you can switch us over, uh, Weston, thank you. Fantastic. Today, we're starting a, a short series on called Fresh Wind, message series on the Spirit-empowered life. And uh, we're actually going to, this is going to take us right up to Easter. Oftentimes, as we come up to Easter, uh, what we've done in recent years anyways, has been to preach on the life of Jesus. So it's a little, little different, a little unique uh, this year to preach on a Spirit-empowered life leading up to Easter. On Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about how the, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, that message. But uh, uh, one of the, one of the <clears throat> most important, so as, we, as we look at who the Holy Spirit is in Scripture, almost everywhere that the Holy Spirit is talked about, He's talked about in a metaphorical way. Talked about in pictures. Because how, how do you describe a person who is also a powerful, powerful force and power of God who we can't see, but we see Him working. We know when He's working in us. We, you know, how, how do you describe that? And so we see in Scripture things like water, the water of life. He's the living water. Right? He's the, you know, where we're, Jesus says we're going to be baptized in, in Holy Spirit and fire. He's, he's the fire of God at work in our lives, right? Um, we, see, we see things like oil, the oil of God, the anointing and the oil of God. We, we see, we see the, the, the dove and the peace of God that comes with the Holy Spirit. We see, we see him talked about as the, the comforter or the the advocate that comes alongside of us. All these, all these pictures. But maybe, and I, I would suggest to you this morning, the most important metaphor of the Spirit that we find in Scripture is maybe wind. The wind of God or the breath of God. Why, why would I say that it's the most important? Well, because... In all three languages that the Bible is written in, it's mostly written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. There's also some Aramaic in the Old Testament in some spots. So there are three languages that the Bible is written in. And in all three languages, the word spirit is actually the exact same word in that language for breath or wind. So in Hebrew, it's ruach. In Aramaic, it's ruah. Very related, similar languages. And in the, and in the New Testament Greek, it's pneuma. And, and in all of those places, those words can be translated spirit, but they can also be translated breath or wind. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we find, so in Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And then in verse 2 it says, 
And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, over the face of the waters. Right? And so the Holy Spirit, folks, the Holy Spirit is not some Christian invention that we added to the Bible. But the Holy Spirit is present in verse 2 of the whole Bible. Doesn't pop up somewhere down the road and, oh, yeah, we just added the Holy Spirit in there. But the Holy Spirit, along with the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, are the creators of the universe. Three persons in one being. Right? I don't understand it. Any theologian that tells you they understand it is lying to you because it's, I mean, we can't imagine a being that exists in three persons, but if we could understand God, we would be equal to him and we never will be, right? So we're introduced to the Spirit in verse 2, where it says, the Spirit of God, or the wind of God, or the breath of God hovered over the face of the deep. And in that moment, God the Holy Spirit was bringing, because remember it said everything was formless and void. It was chaos. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep to bring order out of chaos. God, by His breath, by His Spirit, brought order out of chaos, right? The passage that we're going to anchor this series in is is John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was an important dude. He was, in, in that moment in history, the Jewish people had no government of their own. They were under the oppressive Roman Empire's government, right? The only self-direction they had, the only even thing even close to a government that they had was this thing called the Sanhedrin. 70 elders of the leaders of the teachers of Israel were elected to this position to be on the Sanhedrin. And Nicodemus was one of them. He was a very important person. It says here he came to Jesus at night. And you've heard many, most of you have heard sermons on this, right? He came at night. Why? Because he didn't want the other members of the Sanhedrin to know that he was coming to Jesus. Jesus was a hot potato politically on the Sanhedrin. And and so he came at night. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Well, that's interesting because that's that's not the message they're giving publicly, is it? That's not what the Sanhedrin and the, and the Pharisees are saying publicly. But in spite of how they're behaving, they know Jesus came from God. Right? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, 
when Jesus in this passage talks about the kingdom of God and elsewhere in scripture, in the gospels, where he talks about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about the world to come as if, you know, when we die and go to heaven. It's not what he's talking about. No one can go to heaven unless he's born again. That's not what Jesus said here. It's not what he's saying. I'm not saying that's not true, but that's not what he's saying. But he's saying that heaven has come to earth. Jesus went everywhere declaring, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Right? When Jesus was born into this world, heaven invaded our space. And the kingdom of God had come. But not everyone could see the kingdom of God at work. Only those who were born into the kingdom can see the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now ladies, those of you who have had babies, when that happens, there's some water involved, isn't there? <laughs> right? We're born of water when we're born physically, but we're born of the Spirit. Something very similar yet different happens when we are born of the Spirit. There's a lot of Spirit involved. Come into a a whole different way of existing and living. Flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus says, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Okay, so this is telling us that there's some some mystery involved in the workings of the Spirit. But isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say what he doesn't say, and this is what we often hear when we hear this passage. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So it is with the Spirit. That's what we often hear. That's not what it says. It says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus isn't saying just that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. He's saying that those who are born of the Spirit are mysterious and unpredictable. That's a whole other thing, isn't it? We are meant to live, we are called to live a a bit of a wild life. 
a bit of an adventure, a bit of an unknown, unpredictable path that God wants us to live. So what does this mean, that the, the Spirit is this wind working in our lives? Well, first of all, I think that it means that, that our lives are meant to be unpredictable. I took a ride a bunch of years ago in, in one of these. Uh, I was 5,000 feet up above the city of Ottawa. It was really cool, really amazing. There's a reason why they don't do hot air balloons on windy days. Because your ability to, to, uh, to steer a hot air balloon is extremely limited, right? And when the, if the wind picked up when we were up there, our landing place would be very unpredictable, right? Here's a question. Do we love our schedules and our patterns too much to be spirit-led? Schedules are a good thing. Planning is a good thing. Jesus had plans of where he was planning to go in any given day, what he was going to do next. But, first of all, Jesus made those plans while listening to the voice of the Father. And he also made room for divine interruptions. Right? Jesus says here in this conversation with Nicodemus that that the life of one who is born of the Spirit is one that is marked by mystery. The Holy Spirit is a wild man. He is unpredictable and untamable. Yes, He is the one who brings order out of chaos and He will do that in our lives as well. But he is absolutely unafraid of riding on chaos while he does it. Of course, not all interruptions are necessarily the Holy Spirit. Not all interruptions are good interruptions, right? Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 38 says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. Right? Simon comes to Jesus, finds him in his sacred prayer space, and says, Jesus, what are you doing? Everyone else has meetings set up for you. There's, there's, they've got an itinerary set up for your day. We all know what you're supposed to do today, Jesus. If you don't have a plan for your time, guaranteed people around you will have a plan for your time, right? Everyone had, had a schedule for Jesus' agenda. But Jesus had just been with the Father, and he knew what the Father's agenda was. 
And he was not interested in anyone else's agenda. He was interested in the Father's plan and purpose. Folks, we should start our day that way. God, what do you have for me today? Jesus, where do you want to lead me? What do you have for me? I guarantee you he won't tell you the whole thing. He still wants to reserve some surprises for you. He wants you to be surprised by by interruptions of the Spirit. But I bet he'll speak to you. Bet you he'll give you some ideas of where you're going. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 verses 24 and 25 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Spirit, where are you going? Where are you going? He wants to take us on a journey every day. Spirit, I want to stay in step with you. Right? Like, I want to pay attention, Holy Spirit, to where you're going and what you're doing, and I want to stay in step with what you're doing. We're called to live spirit-led lives. The Israelites, when they were camping in the desert, the tabernacle, God gave them very specific instructions. The tabernacle was, was pitched right in the middle of the camp, and the 12 tribes pitched their tents all around the tabernacle. And over the tabernacle rested a physical, visible manifestation of the glory of God every day. Isn't that amazing? And and God said to them, when the glory lifts, when you see the presence rise from the tabernacle, pack up your tents. You don't get a day's notice. Don't get a week's notice. When you see the glory rise from the tabernacle, pack up your tents because we're moving. I'm not going to tell you whether it's one day or a month that we're traveling. But you'll keep moving until the glory stops. And when it stops, set up your tents. We're going to stay here. And we might stay here a day. We might stay here a month. We might stay here six months. But when the glory rises, it's time to pack up your tent. God was training his people in a desert season to learn how to follow his leading. And oftentimes when we are going through desert seasons, God is wanting to train us how to follow him. Because usually in desert seasons, we, don't, we have no idea what else to do. And so we pay attention to him. God, what are you doing? I want to follow you. We must learn to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to learn to hear his voice. Learning to hear his voice is integral to being a child of God. Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 says... For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God 
are the children of God. It is, it is core to what it means to be children of God that we are led by Him, by His Spirit. This is not a religion where we just do our checklist once a week or once a month. This is a, this is a, this is a relationship where we walk daily with the one who wants to lead us. We learn to be led by him. Jesus said in John 20, 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Just as Jesus was led every day by his Father, we need to learn to hear his voice. It's not usually an audible voice, of course. But an impression in our spirit that shows us what our next obedient step is. 1 Peter 1 verse 21. I love this passage. It says, For for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along by the holy wind, the holy breath. Following the Spirit, being led by the Spirit is kind of like parasailing on the Holy Spirit, being carried along, right? Carried along by the wind of the Spirit. So first thing that it means to live this Spirit-breathed, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered life is that the Spirit in us is unpredictable. Secondly, powerful. The wind is a powerful force of nature. When Hurricane Fiona came through Atlantic Canada, it had already lost some of its power. It had already been downgraded to a a post-tropical storm. But even so, uh, Fiona was deemed to be the most costly weather event to ever hit Atlantic Canada. Most costly weather event to ever hit Atlantic Canada. It it destroyed homes, businesses, power line infrastructures. I know here we saw, we saw, you know, just a a really windy day. It didn't do a lot of damage, but, but in other parts of the Maritimes and the Atlantic Canada were not so fortunate. Our sister church in Charlottetown had the wind ripped off of their building, and their building is, has just in recent weeks been deemed a complete write-off. Sorry, what did I say? The wind, okay, the roof, sorry. Thank you, Pam. The roof was ripped off of, the wind wasn't ripped off. The wind ripped the roof off. Uh, and, and so, you know, they, fortunately they've got insurance to help them, but now they have to figure out where to find a new home or build a new home or whatever they have to do, right? Um, it's tough. The wind is powerful. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All the disciples, all the follower of Je- followers of Jesus, together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Why the sound like a blowing of a violent wind? I think these believers were meant to understand that the breath of God, the wind of God, the mighty moving of the Holy Spirit that had hovered over the waters of creation to bring order out of chaos was now hovering over them to enable them to do things they never could have done before. Right? There's a reason why Jesus in, in Luke 24 verse 49 says to his followers, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Right? He'd given them a mission. He'd given them their marching orders. He told them that their job was to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. But he said, do not leave the city. Don't try to do the work that I've called you to do until you have been clothed with power from on high. We can't do this ourselves. If we ever needed a fresh wind of the Spirit upon the church in Canada, it is today. There are those who teach and say that that power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit were given at the beginning of the church. They were given to get it, to, to launch the church. But then once we'd been going for a hundred years or so and, and, and the, the scriptures had begun to come together and we had the, the Word of God, then we no longer needed the, the power of the Spirit and that those things passed away. Folks, I would suggest to you today that we are just as desperate for God to do something that we can't do today, in fact, more than they were in that day. And that the, the workings of the power of the Spirit are not passing away or fading away. They are, they are increasing in the world today. And we need the moving of the Spirit. If, if ever we as a church needed what God has to give. Because folks, we need divine wisdom to navigate the tsunami of cultural changes that are hitting our nation. We need divine courage to speak the truth of God. We need God's divine grace to love and care for people that we encounter every day. For those who have lost sight of who he is. When Moses asked God how he would convince the Hebrew people that God had sent him to talk to. And how he would convince the pagan Egyptians that God had sent him to talk to. That he was being sent by the one true God. God enabled him to perform supernatural signs as evidence that he had the authority to say the things that he was going to say. 
And likewise, Jesus said that he would send his followers out with the authority to do the works that he had been doing. Mark 16.20 says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And that's exactly what we see happening all through the book of Acts. The supernatural signs of God's power and presence are displayed through God's people and over and over it confirmed to those who heard their strange gospel message that they were not working on their own. And in this day of pluralism in our culture, where everyone has their own version of truth and no one takes anyone else's version of truth seriously, how will our message, the gospel of Jesus, be taken seriously by our world? It will be by the signs that accompany it. We need the power of God to fill His church again, not for our sake, not so anyone can build a ministry off it or make a name for themselves, but for the name of Jesus to be famous again. One of the aspects I really loved about the Asbury move of God that happened last month was that they were determined not to make it about superstars. There were ministries that wanted to come in and attach their name to it, worship leaders, preachers. But the leaders there said they wanted Jesus to be the only focus. I think that needs to be our heart in this day. We've seen too much garbage happen because people, God began to move and people wanted to grab glory for themselves. Third thing, we're almost done. Moving of the wind of the Spirit in our lives is unpredictable, powerful, and yes, uncomfortable. I've used this quote before, but I've heard Christine Kane, fantastic, prophetic woman of God, preaches powerfully, ministers powerfully, sees hundreds if not thousands of women set free from, from uh, sex trafficking every year around the globe. Powerful woman of God. But I've heard her say that often we pray for God to do wonders and miracles and then do everything we can to avoid the context in which miracles happen. When do we need miracles? When we're in trouble, right? When things are messy, when things are painful, when things are difficult and broken. When the, when the, the windstorm is blowing, the eagle can either hide in the nest until the storm is over, and yes, it will be safe, but that's all it will be. 
or it can face the storm and in doing so will rise to heights it could not do at any other time. It will experience the victory of rising above the storm. There's a storm out there. There's a powerful storm out there. And we are not called to hide in this box or to hide in our safe Christian homes with Bible verses on the wall. Not against Bible verses on the wall, but, but that's our safe space. We are not called to hide from the storm. But we are called to walk into the storm because there is pain, there is brokenness, there is confusion, there is chaos, there is fear and lostness and everything that needs the glory and the power of God. And we are the carriers. We're the wind-carried ones that are meant to face the storm out there. We can ask We can ask You know, why me? Why is this storm happening? I'm going to I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to hide. Or we can say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to face it with courage and see what you're doing. Because guaranteed he's working. We are not meant to be safe, but we are meant to be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. The wind of God is in you, brothers and sisters. What can stand against you? But we will not experience the fullness of God's power until we need His power, until we're in that situation where all we've got is to trust God and step out in faith. Because He doesn't give us, you know, somehow give us the warm fuzzies to know that He's He's going to do something and then, oh, now I know I can step out and I'll be okay. Right? All Peter had when he stepped out of the boat was, come on, step out. And he did. When we're called, when, when we're facing a difficult situation, we have no assurance except the promise of Jesus that when we step out in faith, He's got our back. But we can trust His promise. Let's stand.
morning has got away on us. It's later than it often is, but you're going to be all right. I know you are. I know you are. In fact, they'll let you in the restaurant half an hour from now if you, if you know, they will, I promise. Folks, we need to humble ourselves. We need to wait on Him. We need to be willing to pay a price if we want to see God move in a fresh wind in our lives. We can ask the question, God, why don't we see the miracles that we used to see? Why don't we see the miracles the Bible tells us will happen? You can ask that question, but I guarantee you, God's not broken. His spirit's not broken. There's nothing wrong on His end. He's waiting and looking for a hungry people that are willing to be inconvenienced and interrupted. And maybe a better question to ask would be, God, how can I position myself in this season to learn how to hear your voice again? How can I position myself in this season to learn how to walk in step with the Spirit? God, give me the courage to step into situations I can't control. So that I can be carried along by the wind of your spirit that I don't want to control. So Father, we're standing in your presence in this moment today. God, we're all at different places on our journey. I get that. But I believe as a, as a collective body, you are calling us to make ourselves more available to you. Because there's a world out there, there's a storm out there that deserves a church empowered by your Spirit that deserves a people who are willing to lay it all down so that you can flow through our lives in power and anointing. So that you can do through our lives the kinds of things that show the world that the, the words of the gospel we speak to them are true. So God, we say yes to you today. Come and move by your spirit, we ask. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing the Spirit of God to speak through you again this morning. Wow. We're glad that you came this morning to worship with us today. 
And we truly believe you're an evangel and a God who moves in power and miracles. Maybe today you need a miracle. Uh, if you have a need, I would ask you to come. And the Breakthrough Team members will pray you through to victory. If you have to go out this time, God bless you. And just want to remind you that there's prayer and worship tonight at 6 o'clock. You have yourself a great day in the presence of the Lord.